This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, August 13th, 2018. I'm Caleb Brown. When Puerto Rico estimated what would help the territory rebuild after hurricane devastation, the government there mentioned the costs imposed by the Jones Act, a law that limits how places like Puerto Rico may receive shipments from other parts of the U.S. So why did Congress ask Puerto Rico to explain itself? Cato policy analyst Colin Grabo comments. The United States Congress instructed the government of Puerto Rico to put together a report which would basically be an economic recovery plan uh, and the necessary steps to help the island in its recovery. Uh, In this uh, draft report, which was released on July 9th, the government of Puerto Rico mentioned the Jones Act and mentioned that the burden that it imposes on the island, it did not provide exact numbers, but it noted uh, evidence from various other reports indicating that there was a premium paid uh, for transport to the island from the uh, the United States due to the Jones Act. So a representative Duncan Hunter of California chairs a, a subcommittee in the House, the House Maritime uh, Transport Committee, and he took exception to this draft report. He sent a letter to uh, the government of Puerto Rico asking them to explain themselves, and he also directed them to a report published also in July by the American Maritime Partnership. This is a pro-Jones Act special interest group. And the report claimed that there is no impact of the Jones Act to the people of Puerto Rico. All right. And uh, Puerto Rico feels fairly strongly that that is not the case. Yes. Um, Walk me through some of the economics of, of how the Jones Act, especially in light of their attempt to uh, reconstruct the whole place in a, in a lot of areas is just completely devastated. What does the Jones Act do to their ability to rebuild? I so mean, the, assuming they had the money. So, I mean, let's keep in mind the Jones Act is a protectionist law. Its its very purpose is to reduce competition. It is to keep uh, foreign uh, carriers from transporting goods from the rest of the United States to uh, other domestic ports, including Puerto Rico. So by reducing competition, you increase costs. This is Econ 101. Let's also keep in mind that the Jones Act mandates the use of uh, ships built in the United States. The United States does not have a comparative advantage in the building of these coastal vessels. You can buy them anywhere from six to eight times cheaper overseas. Uh, The Congressional Research Service last year put out a report that said that a ship that costs typically anywhere from say 100 and I think 80 to 250 million dollars in the United States could be bought for around 30 million dollars overseas. So we have reduced competition, we have higher costs, and this translates into higher costs of uh, transportation to, to and from Puerto Rico. Duncan Hunter obviously is uh, not interested in uh, repealing the Jones Act. Uh, Puerto Rico seems like the most salient example of where the costs are extremely high for a fairly concentrated uh, group of people. Um, but even moving just goods port to port, uh, you know, up and down the coast of California or up and down uh, the the East Coast as well, or along in the Gulf region, where are some of the uh, interests that are aligned with keeping the Jones Act in place? So the interests that are aligned, that that are in favor of maintaining the Jones Act tend to be uh, U.S. shipyards, 
because they have more or less a captive market. If you want to operate uh, domestically, you need to buy a ship built in the United States. So they have an interest in uh, maintaining that aspect of the law. Also, this is perhaps a surprise to some people, but the U.S. carriers, which transport cargo between U.S. ports, they are built, they are uh, invested in the Jones Act, despite the fact that they have to pay the inflated costs for these ships. And that is because they are bought into the existing system. If we were to move to an environment where you could buy a foreign-built ship, that would open the, the path for competitors to, to arise with these cheaper ships, with a lower cost structure, and to possibly drive some of these companies out of business. It seems like it's hard to estimate how much this is costing uh, Americans because there are there's so, mu so many goods that could be sent by ship that are now sent by truck. And there are, uh, you know, there are some perverse incentives here for for groups that are deriving some substantial rents. But do we have a clear idea of of how much this is costing Americans? Unfortunately, we do not. There have been estimates here and there. Um, back in, I believe, 2002, the U.S. International Trade Commission put out a report which calculated the damage of the Jones Act at somewhere in the neighborhood of six to seven hundred million dollars. Um, but the way they went about this, the methodology was just to estimate what the savings uh, would be versus cheaper shipping. But we have to remember the costs of the Jones Act, it's multifaceted. So increased cost of shipping is just one aspect. Because we have less coastal shipping, this also means that we have more trucks on the road spewing more pollution. It means that we have more stress and strain on our infrastructure. That means more maintenance costs for our highways. Um, there's a whole range of, uh, of, of, of uh, costs that are not fully accounted for. One other aspect is that when the United States goes to negotiate free trade agreements, it immediately takes the Jones Act off the table for discussion, which means that our uh, trading partners are not willing to open their markets as much as would otherwise be the case uh, if we were willing to give some ground on the Jones Act. Okay. How does this president's trade war interact with the benefits or the costs of the Jones Act? Well, what's interesting to me about the Jones Act and President Trump is that President Trump, uh, he's run on this, he's, he's governing on this platform of America first, and he very much wants the U.S. to source domestically. He views imports as a threat, uh, whereas what's interesting about the Jones Act is that it actually makes foreign products more artificially more attractive. Um, this is because once you factor in the increased cost of domestic transportation, uh, foreign goods can be imported for cheaper because they are not subject to the Jones Act. So for example, if you look at Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico imports, according to the GAO back in 2013, it was importing jet fuel from Venezuela instead of the Gulf Coast. It was importing, I believe, feed for its farmers uh, from Canada instead of the rest of the United States. Uh, we have examples of, I believe, farmers in North Carolina that would import feed from Brazil uh, rather than the Midwest. So, you know, th and all this happens because of the increased cost of transportation. For a territory like uh, Puerto Rico, one that has been uh, so devastated, it's hard to imagine, given the proximity of Puerto Rico to the rest of the US, that a law that mandates that they receive goods from ships that are owned and built by the United States 
uh, that it seems ridiculous to say that that would not have an impact on them financially. And yet, yet AMP, this group, has made that estimate. How do they arrive at that estimate? In order for the AMP to make that claim, one piece of evidence they use is that they went to Walmart's website and they compared the price of 13 products, this was 10 grocery items and three durable goods, at stores in San Juan, Puerto Rico, and also Jacksonville, Florida. Now, they picked Jacksonville, Florida because a lot of the ships that go to transport goods from the United States originate in Jacksonville. So, and they they looked at these 10 grocery items, these three durable goods, and they said, well, for every single one of these products, the price is either the same or cheaper in San Juan than in Jacksonville. Therefore, there is no cost of the Jones Act to people in Puerto Rico. Um, there are any, no, any number of problems with this approach. Uh, one problem is that this is one retailer. Uh, we don't know why this should be a proxy for the retail sector in general in Puerto Rico. There's also the fact that uh, Walmart sells thousands of items. Why these 10 grocery items? Why these three durable goods? I myself went to Walmart's website and looked at stores in Jacksonville and San Juan. And I found that, for example, uh, uh, Breyer's ice cream that costs $2.98 in Jacksonville costs $8.12 in San Juan. You can find other examples of things costing products that cost more in San Juan. Yopla yogurt goes for 75 cents there versus 60 cents in Florida. I think uh, tater tots are $1.50 more in San Juan. I'm not going to tell you that strictly because of the Jones Act, but why these goods? I could build my own set of goods, which would tell a very different story than them. Um, so that that's, that's just one uh, issue right there. Another issue is a point towards uh, revenue per container. Um, for different ports in the Caribbean, and they point out that they generate more revenue in other ports uh, other than San Juan. So, for example, in St. Croix and St. Thomas, and I believe Haiti, they generate more revenue per container than in San Juan. But this is a silly or questionable uh, metric. Revenue doesn't tell us a whole lot. Um, service to these other ports is likely higher than the service um, to Puerto Rico because these are smaller ports. That means you get less efficient scale. That means you're going to have higher costs, which means you need higher revenue to cover those costs. So what we really need to know is the profit, and they don't tell us anything about profit. So they use a bunch of questionable statistics to, to make this assertion. Colin Grabo is a trade policy analyst at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast at iTunes and Google Play, and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. 